This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we celebrate Good News Tuesday-ish. We take some time to reflect and hear from you with your comments. Larry Gifford, Shift family members going for potentially life-changing procedure to treat Parkinson's. He tells us what it's like to live with Parkinson's and how his life can change after DBS, deep brain stimulation surgery. Now, in the world of weird things, Greg Fish tells us about the surprising ways narcissists see the world and what we can learn from understanding their way of life and also how they see us helpful. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. It's bad news in that we lose a very important person from the shift. It's not a person you hear on the radio every day, but it's a person for the last three and a half years that's been very integral in the part of uh, this world that that we create. And Larry Gifford has been uh, the VP of this talk segment of the network for as long as I've been here. And Larry's history goes way back. Like you have to understand when we've talked about this guy named Larry, and maybe you've heard him on the radio with me about various, uh, you know, topics. Uh, Larry's history goes back into some amazing uh, places like ESPN and you know national broadcasting in the states, um, Dave Ramsey show, um, like national talk shows in the United States, and then he was part of our group. Now, Larry is going in for brain surgery. Larry has Parkinson's disease. And if you've never been a part of that conversation here on the shift, Larry's been a big advocate. Um, PD Avengers, Parkinson's Disease Avengers, is the name of a group that he's founded and been a big advocate in supporting the development and support systems for people with Parkinson's. DBS is the surgery, deep brain um, stimulation. Basically, it's brain surgery with a couple of electrodes stuck in your head. And they use electricity to stabilize the dopamine and different bits and pieces in your brain that are heavily impacted by Parkinson's. Larry's going to go through that. Now, the reason why I've decided to include this for Good News Tuesday is because of gratitude, Larry's story of gratitude, and what can come of adversity. It's, I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest conversations I've ever had on the radio. And you wouldn't really think so because it's a safe place for me to talk to Larry. But it it was. It just was. There's no poetic ways of saying it. It was just hard. And um, I can't wait for you to hear it. You want to hear about a man who has a teenage son and a wife and who is leaving his current career anyway to take care of himself and uh, undertake a risky maneuver to create a new quality of life, that's good news. And I know you have a lot of stories around your health that are bad news turned to good news. And that's where I'm centering Good News Tuesday today is exactly that. And with that, I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in the city of Airdrie on the north side of Calgary. Ryan O'Donnell is downtown Calgary and John O'Chung is in downtown Vancouver. It's Good News Tuesday. Good news, everyone. Tell me something good, friends. No matter how big or how small, good news makes good news babies. The more good news we share, the more good news that we're present to, the more good news babies that get made in our lives. For me, that example has not been more true than the last 48 hours. 
In the last 48 hours and the last seven days, I will share with you, and I'm going to be vague only because this story is about other people and I don't have their permission to share it specifically. But in and around my family, there's been a lot of health issues lately. My day on Monday was one of the most brutal of the days that I've experienced in as long as I can remember. And I don't mean it from a place of that there was anything tragic. It just was endless. Every single aspect of my life got hit with um, breakdown. Health in my family, health of myself, business, multiple business, personal. I even got my CRA audited from last year. I got the letter. Like they, literally every aspect of it was just dreadful. I had a great counseling meeting with my psychologist and went through all the things. And through all of it, at the end of the day on Monday, I was just banged up. Tuesday morning, I wake up and I decide to, you know, this is a new day. And I wake up. I don't know what you what it's like when you wake up when you're sort of in a funk it's not a great pleasant. You're not like, oh, I can't wait to take on the day. Give me coffee and sunshine. It's not like that. So I had uh, oral surgeon things. You guys have known that I, I'm sick from time to time on the show. I get some sinus issues and I'm going through some things there. And I got resolution today. I didn't want to go. And I stood up for myself and I said, nope, this is not the way this is going to go, doctor. This is what I need. And the doctor gave me all that today because I asked for it. I, I found good parking spots today. I got to visit with people I didn't expect to visit with today. And it just turned out to be one of those days where I chose peace and love, man. Y'all know I'm a hippie in my heart. And I chose it. And after a terrible day yesterday, today, my good news is today happened. Nothing specific, nothing great. Had an hour-long conversation with a trusted confidant. I got support from people that I had no idea that would give me support. I had consult from uh, professional uh, colleagues that gave me consult on things that I needed help with. I got access to people I never thought I would get access to because of other people that I know and trust. Vague, I know, but I have to do that because this involves people that, again, that I can't tell their story without their permission. But I'm telling you it because Monday sucked. It was brutal. Tuesday was a pretty great day. And I'm grateful for that. So what is your good news? We're wrapping this around health today. It can be about anything. If you tied your shoelaces for the first time, that's cool too. 877-399-9898. Anything goes here on Good News Tuesday. What is your good news? Share it now. Ryan O'Donnell, how's your day? Uh, the day was incredibly meh, except for one very exciting thing. Uh, movies. It was a good day to be a movie nerd. I, uh, I'm trying to, uh, as I'm stuck in long distance relationship right now, I'm trying to fill my weekends with some things that I, I didn't used to do. And one of those things is watch more movies, uh, movies I never heard of movies that, you know, like film students would watch. And one of the best ways to do that is this company called Criterion. They remaster and redistribute old famous movies in impactful movies and also modern movies that just matter for example princess bride just got a 4k criterion remaster and you have to understand when criterion remaster a film it is the best version of that film you will ever see 
The colors pop in ways that you can't imagine. It is crisp. It's meticulous. There's also really great director commentary. It is the best way you can watch a movie at home is when it's Criterion. They are, however, a little expensive, but not today. Every year, completely randomly, (laughs) completely by random, they slash all of their movies 50% off. All of them go down half off. And so me and my roommate split an order and I bought a bunch of movies and I can't wait to watch every single one of them. Some I've never seen. Uh, Actually, I think every movie, every movie that I bought today, I have never seen before. And I can't wait to watch every single one of them and also write reviews about them and just immerse myself in all the cool parts of watching movies. Very cool. I love it. Great. I love it. John O'Chung, we got to be quick here, bud. What was your good news? So my grand aunt and grand uncle just touched down in Vancouver from Singapore. Oh, this morning, yeah, I haven't seen my grand uncle in 17 years, and I finally got to see him today. We had lunch together. 17? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, neat, man. I like that. That's good news. 877-399-9898. Ryan, I got to take you into account for one thing you said as the word guy. You said, I'm okay. stuck in a long-distance relationship. You are not stuck in a long-distance relationship. You are in a loving relationship. True. That happens to be long-distance. You see how your language gets in the way, right? Mm-hmm. That's just a bad it habit. Does. It just happens. We do it all the time, and that's where it the storyline starts to change. I'm stuck. You're not stuck. You choose to be there. It's a beautiful relationship. Laura's a wonderful human being. It just happens to be long-distance. You choose... Um, to be in long distance right now. So that's power empowerment right there. I love it. It's beautiful. Okay. Uh, what is your good news? 877-399-9898. Let's go to Gail, who's in Toronto. Hi, Gail. Hi there. Hey, love. I, I have been, had one of those respiratory things, pneumonia and what have you, for mm-hmm. four or five weeks now. And I called in during COVID to tell you that my good news was that my young neighbors across the hall when they order their groceries, they were ordering mine. So mm-hmm, I, I remember that. to go out. Mm-hmm. So because I've been sort of up and down this last few weeks, they started ordering my groceries again. Amazing. And the other night, I was craving chocolate. <laughs> Just craving it. And I happened to speak to her. They did an emergency chocolate run and went and no got way. me a bunch of chocolate. <laughs> I love it. What's your go-to chocolate? What's your favorite there, Gail? Might as well. Chocolate chip cookies. That's what it is, eh? Yep. Yeah, I love so it. So I got cookies. I got a big chocolate bar that I could break into squares and a piece of the most decadent chocolate cake you could ever have. Now, Gail, when people do these things for us, we often you feel all kinds of feelings. We feel a little bit grateful. We feel a little bit guilty. We feel all those things. But when you're talking about chocolate... There's this moment where you get to put it in your mouth and it gives you that satisfaction that you were hoping for, right? Like the, wow, this is it. Um, How do you feel about your neighbors when you get to that moment, when you get over the the silly things like, oh, I feel bad because they're helping me and all those things that we go through as humans. When you get to the point where you put it in your mouth and you're actually able to be with it, how does that feel for you, Gail? Uh, I love them. Yeah. They are young enough. They could be... Possibly my grandchildren. Um, they're very sweet. And because I had been sick, I even got a turkey dinner. It was all, you know, the tinfoil and what have you. And they provided turkey dinner. 
And his mother even sent leftovers from her turkey dinner. Oh, wow. See, that's they're, so cool. They're, they're, they're very loving, kind people. And every once in a while, every once in a while, I get to do something for them. Nice. That's so little, good. Just ordinary little things that people do for neighbors. So that's it. my good news. They did an emergency chocolate run, and I am so grateful. Gail in Toronto. Thank you, Gail, very much. Appreciate <laughs> that. That's beautiful. Good it's night. perfect. Hey, Frank. As joining us now, um, Frank's got good news for Good News Tuesday. Frankie, where are you? I'm here. Yeah, you're in Burnaby, huh? I am. Yeah. Now you've uh, you've texted before, Frank. You've shared your thoughts yeah. on things. I've I've looked at um, I looked at your we we have text history, Frank. I have all the things you've ever texted me, and I don't see in this list as I give it a quick scroll you ever telling me this particular story. So I, I, I've read your text on the air. I've said Frank from Burnaby before. Yep. Yeah, and yep. yet all this time you have not told us that there was something going on in the background that the good news is that it's changed for you. Tell me your situation, bud. Well, it was back in 2021. I kind of lost my job due to, uh, well, not my own fault, but just we lost a big contract and, Went on EI and got a contract job, and then that kind of fell through as the winter went on because I was driving a water truck. Which... Anyways, it went on and, and uh, yeah, and uh, went on EI for a bit, and then that ran out, and then I wasn't getting income, and then, well, couldn't really make the rent and got rent evicted, and, yeah, well. That's pretty much what happened. So over the last, yeah, since, yeah, 20, yeah, 2021, yeah, 2022, yeah, we've been pretty much living in our car 2021, yeah, because it's almost been wow. two years. Yeah. So now, not just you. Years. Yeah. Right, like Tracy's been there with you too, right? And so this yeah, is absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah We've been stuck together for yeah the whole time because yeah. yeah, it's been two years. December fifteenth coming up. <laughs> not for a lack of working, not for a lack of trying, no. just trying to put all the no. pieces together. Either that's worth noting yeah, too. So Frank, yeah. tell me about that. Uh, you're, uh, you're, uh, you know, you've got. There's a couple of you. Like we hear stories often of people living in cars. It's quite often yeah. uh, single people. Uh, not couples. And so, uh, you know, that's different. And what a challenge or maybe bond that it creates in your relationship. How did that play out? Uh, we actually grew quite close. Yeah, we pretty much stuck together. We're bonded at the hip. Because yeah. if it wasn't for the two of us to keeping together, I don't think either of us would have made it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> honest with you. But, uh, yeah, we kept each other strong through thick mm. and thin. We had cool. our... We definitely had our moments, I'll tell you that, but yeah, I bet. but we stuck it through. <clears throat> so what's the uh, what's the new news about a place? You have a place now? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we do. We have a nice basement suite. Yeah, we just moved in like a week and a half ago, like the beginning yeah. of the month. Yeah, After amazing. all that long, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It just kind of fell into our lap, which is, well, yeah. What is that... Uh... What does that first night feel like when you put your head down in your own place, looking at the ceiling? Um, I mean, because I know that you've even shared with us. You've visited with family before. I mean, it's not like you, it's not like you haven't gone and, and slept in a bed. But at the same time, no. I mean, you didn't have a home. But you, it, yeah. what does it feel like when now this is your place? No, oh, man, it was 
so so amazing just to lay her bed her head down in the bed and warm place and actually cook meals again because my wife loves to cook and yeah it's just amazing like wow <laughs> um uh, it's still yeah it's like wow can i uh let me ask you a man-to-man question sure um I, this is something I, I think that I, I appreciate, and I'm curious if you've noticed it or if you appreciate it too. Um, to me, I think there's not a lot more beautiful than, in the world than uh, when a woman sleeps on a pillow, like a white pillowcase, right? Um, yeah, t- ooh, tell me, yeah. when you have a home to sleep in and Tracy's there, um, yeah. and you get to see that sort of uh, femininity and that, that beauty, um, what, what does that look like to you, and how does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel, oh, it makes me feel amazing just to actually hold her again in my arms in a bed instead of a, trying to maybe make a hug in a car seat. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite amazing. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, I mean, Frank. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, bud. All right, bud. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You have a good night, okay? Well, thank you. Uh, Frank's in Burnaby. Um, living in a car? Got a place. This is the Shift Podcast. Larry Gifford, the almighty Larry Gifford. Uh, not only, Larry, have you been my direct boss for the last three and a half years or whatever it's been, um, I'd like yeah, to call you a friend. You can do that. Um, thanks, buddy. Um, you have had a not only a direct hand on everything that we do at Radioland, but um, have taken time to make sure that everything that I can learn and take away is uh, is also included in that and so uh, I feel that um, supporting you through this next phase of your journey is incredibly integral and I feel like that's the kind of friend that I would like to be able to be and what the tools I have because you're in a different city than me is to be able to um, share this message that you're trying to share about uh, the DBS surgery uh, Parkinson's disease, what you're about to go through, um, that, which by the way, Larry has a podcast that we will link at shiftheads.ca. So I do implore you to subscribe to it and learn about it. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, How are you, you doing? Know, I'm, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I have, um, I guess all the feels is what the kids say these days. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So um, to recap, Larry is one of our team members here at The Shift and has been for a long time. Larry has Parkinson's disease. Larry's about to get an electrode post stuck into his head to stabilize um, all of the electricity things that are happening. We've had guests on the show that have had this before. This particular opportunity lands literally in our family now. And um, and Larry's going through that in short order. What's the big so day? It will be on the uh, 24th of October. So we are just so uh, less than a week, or I guess just about a week away, uh, per this recording. And uh, I've been waiting four years for it. I started the process four years ago. Mm. A little bit of a careful what you wish for here, Larry, with this one. I mean, they are going to go <laughs> in your brain. Bit. Yeah. So what they're what they're going to do is they are going to first uh, on on Tuesday morning they'll do a, a, a uh, MRI on my brain and then they'll put a cage around my head. They'll, they'll actually screw it in to the skin and then into my skull. And so I'll, I'll have like a cage around my head that they'll then screw into the table, the operating table. 
so I can't move my head. Um, and then they will um, cut open a couple of uh, dime-sized holes in my head of skin. They won't, they'll just sort of like a, a big C as opposed to a full circle. They'll lift those up, see the skull, they'll drill through the, the skull with an actual drill, and then they'll put uh, electrodes down there. Um, and they'll, they'll work to uh, get the electrodes hitting just the right spots to relieve me of my Parkinson's symptoms, making, you know, making me at my, my best, uh, 24 hours a day, hopefully it's the mm -hmm. goal. And, um, and then they'll put a, like a brain pacemaker, uh, right above my, um, I guess it's like right over my heart, uh, where it'll all connect and keep, uh, keep electricity going to my brain. So I have to take, so I can take less medicine. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to get you to your best medicated state. I'm trying to recall, cause we've chatted about this in detail. I, and I think that's the goal, right? Is your, your ideal medicated state today is possible once they get the electricity settings proper, except with medication, you're up and down as the medication wears off, it's not great. And then you know that you need to nap or you need to get more medication. And uh, that, that roller coaster you've described to me is, is real. This should allow you to stabilize to most of the best, most of the time. Correct. You're going to be awake through this, Larry? That's sounds like that's poof. I am going to be awake through the, uh, the, the brain surgery, and then they'll put me out when they implant the, the pacemaker. Um, have you considered just saying, why not put me down now to get her all done? Like, well, some things you don't want to remember, Larry. It's a, it's a participatory surgery. So they, they will be testing certain areas of my oh, brain. Really? And so they'll say, how's this feel? Uh, what's this, what's, and they'll trigger some, some good parts and some bad parts and they'll try to find the ranges. Wow. And, so that I have to be alert and aware and unmedicated mm -hmm. so they can make sure that they're, uh, doing all the right things. Wow. Uh, that makes my belly feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to acknowledge for everyone else that's listening that we will continue the conversation being as respectful and not graphic as possible. Just so, just so everyone feels comfortable in this. Um, but Larry, they, they like, this is your brain. And I don't know if I've met in the last three and a half years, a family man more important than you, you, uh, uh to you, you are 100%, uh, all in on family. And you, um, you know, you're taking a risk here to hopefully, uh, extend your time with the family, but at the same time, it, it's not to be forgotten, Larry, this is still a risk. Yeah. Yesterday, um, my wife and I, uh, sat down and, uh, created a, uh, power of attorney and a, uh, living will. And it's, that's real. And you, and you have to do those things because there's with any surgery, there's always a, a chance that something could go wrong. Now, you know, Dr. Honey, who's uh, the uh, DBS surgeon in, in British Columbia that I'm using, he has done over a thousand of these surgeries. Oh, wow. He's never lost a patient. Uh, so I'm feeling really good and confident about that. I feel very positive about the surgery. And a lot of what I'm doing is, um, you know, putting good, good vibes on what I can project positively that this will do for me in the future. I'm imagining, okay, once I feel that way, what can I do with that? What what, what does that future look like um, as, as opposed to trying to be uh, nervous or scared or anxious about can it? Can I ask you the hard question about this, Larry, just honestly? Sure. For the last, how long have you diagnosed Parkinson's? Was it seven or eight years ago? 
It was uh, it was 2017. Yeah, so six. Okay. Um, the you have learned for the last six years how to live as a sick man, and I'm just being frank about that, just for the sake of um, you know, I guess the question. There's two parts. One is, it must be daunting and yet exciting to the notion that you can now learn how to live um, as an unsick man. Obviously, there's difficulties, but I think the notion of the roller coaster you've been through with medication in itself is allows a fair statement to say less sick than before. I mean, many of us learn how to be a certain way, and now you're faced with potentially the opportunity of creating that all over again. For me in my writing, Larry, it's the distinction between just living and being alive. So right. the notion of a life of being alive versus just living, that must be terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. Uh, yes, and, and with a caveat. The, the surgery is only guaranteed to impact the um, motor symptoms. And half or more of this disease is non-motor. So there still will be trials and tribulations, but I will be uh, able to um, move through life more fluidly. And, and uh, I will be able to do hopefully more with my family and, 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 uh, and have less pain and less, you know, be less of a um, rigid and, and less, you know, uh, just be, be more human, uh, be more in my body and, and more in my skin that I, that I used to have. Um, and so that's, that's actually just really exciting to me. Um, and then as far as reinventing, uh, you know, and re, re, re-identifying who I am and what I, what I can do, uh, that that's, I, I'm a big fan of blank slates. Mm. Um, it allows you to, you know, have another chapter. And so we're just starting a new chapter. Larry loves Lego. This is the new Lego project of your life, isn't it? Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, this is my MOC. Huh. Um, my own creation. I feel emotional, Larry, even just talking about this stuff. Um, and you're the one going through it. Well, it, 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 I am emotional every day about it. Um, and I have um, moments of of imagining all the wonderful things that can happen, and I have those moments where um, I feel like I can feel the pain already of them screwing in the cage on my head. Um, it's it, it's like at any second I could go oh no no tag out. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah, but I've been. Uh, yeah, I owe this to myself. I owe this to my my family. Um, this will make this will make life easier. Well, let's talk about easier. Let's talk about the results of that, Larry. We've seen with the guests that we've had on here. Um, uh, the gentleman that we had on, he was older than you, uh, but he found love again, um, got married again, and is walking the dog again. I mean, trip and fall is Parkinson's. Most people don't understand things like trip and fall is one of the most dangerous, as simple as it is, because the old legs don't always go when you tell them to. And then all of a sudden a carpet or a rug can be the demise of injury. So, but this, this is a guy who's walking dogs again. So the regardless, I mean, 
that must be so tempting to think of things like that. It just the notion that when Larry walks down a hallway, there, you're at less of a risk of trip and fall than you are today. Well, yeah, and uh, I look forward to maybe you know running around with my kid or riding bikes or like right now I cannot ride a bike because I cannot figure out how to do the pedals because I have to reteach myself and my feet and and the communication from my brain to both sides of my body is so jacked up right now that I, I cannot pedal to move forward. It's so weird. Like my, my body just doesn't allow me to do that. It's like getting in a paddle boat. I can't do that either. I, we found that out the hard way when, when we were in the middle oh, of the no. water. And my wife's like, we got to get back to shore. I'm like, I can't do this. Wow. <laughs> That's unfortunate timing, isn't it? Um, yeah. So how does that work for you, though, in your brain when that's, I mean, something like riding a bike, it's something you've known your whole life. So is it, in your brain, is it happening like it should, but then the body's not responding? Yeah. So you're, you're cognitively aware of the fact that you know how, but your body's got that short circuit's not happening? Well, so, so the dopamine is a communication juice, so from your brain. So anytime you are commanding your body to do anything, um, it, it starts with, a spray of dopamine to get that communication or through your body. If you don't have dopamine, the communication doesn't go correctly, or if you don't have enough. Uh, so maybe it only gets half the communication. Um, and so that, that's a real big problem, which is why, you know, we, you know, I can't, I don't fall into a, a deep sleep where I'm paralyzed because my body won't let me, um, and, you know, the, the, all these little, little uh, uh, symptoms of Parkinson's and there's dozens and dozens of them. Uh, it's all because of, you know, the, the communication shutdown is a big reason why. In your brain, it's a legitimate thought that's not missing. Oh yeah. So like when I was, I had to go off meds for 12 hours uh, as part of a test to get this surgery. It was the first time I was off meds seven, six years. And I woke up and I'd aged 20 years and I could, I could barely lift my head to walk forward and I couldn't figure out how to walk. And so I was just shuffling my feet. And then like I, I it, it, but in my head, I was still there. I could still think properly. I couldn't make the words. I couldn't make my body move, but I couldn't, I could. So it was like being trapped in a foreign body. Prison. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tell me about gratitude and how gratitude is uh, changed for you from who you were seven years ago to who you are today. Well, I mean, gratitude is uh, something that has evolved from just being thankful to have friends and family to being grateful that I have support, that I have a life that I have I can take a breath, that I can eat a meal and not choke, that I can, um, you know, there's so many people out there that are uh, supporting um, not just me, but just the, the, the idea of, you know, ending Parkinson's disease, uh, which directly affects me. And I, I'm just um, so grateful for, um, for, frankly, for all the opportunities that Parkinson's has given me to be a better person. 
I'm grateful, Larry, for everything that you've given. Um, you gave me an opportunity that I would never have had, I think. And uh, that has changed my life. So um, it is so confusing to think that um, without all of these things that our lives might not have intersected, right? Right. And that, that it it's almost makes you feel bad thinking like, well, I'm glad that it's happened this way. But at the same time, I'm not glad that it happened this way, Larry. And well, we can't always determine everything that's going to happen to us in life, but we can determine how we respond to mm -hmm. it. And so you can see this as something that's happened to me and I'm a victim. Or I could say, you know what, here's an opportunity for me to go to go in another direction. And so I turned it into uh, advocacy and I'm learning all about it. And I'm engaged in a community of people that are pretty awesome and that I would have never met before. Um, and so I think, you know, my mom used to say, oh, everything happens for a reason. And I go, ah, whatever. The older I get, the more I can see how that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, you're amazing, dude. I like the fact that uh, you're driven and you're sharing and you're even here with us the week before you go in for the surgery and then you're going to be here with us and give everyone a chance to, to have that opportunity. So it seems reckless of me to not ask, how can I support you? How can this listening community of shift heads that has been very plugged into your, your journey and and listening from you as well, um, not to mention just your radio work that you've contributed here and everyone's heard you. Um, what can we do, uh, me as your friend and us as a community, to make sure that this this well, is not reckless and lost either? No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I think, you know, one of the first things is everybody can be a PD Avenger. That's the organization that I co-founded, pdavengers.com. It's free. It just you're just saying you support what we're doing and if you're available you have a superpower that we need you you may offer it up uh you can also offer up you know financial contributions if you'd like but that's not the point of it the point of it is is to advocate for an end to parkinson's and to make life for those who have it better um and so i work with other organizations and a lot of members around the world uh, we have uh, 95 different countries represented um, and that's an important thing for me. And that's what I'm going to be spending a lot of my time on, uh, as we move forward in my, in this next chapter. And then also, uh, the podcast is going to continue to be on Curious Cast. And we're the last four episodes have been about the DBS surgery. We've got more coming out. So if you go to, um, just Google when life gives you Parkinson's and it'll come up, it's on the Apple, it's on Spotify, it's wherever you get your, your, your podcasts. Um, I'll send batteries for Christmas, not to try to make light of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it's a good contribution. My, my son uh, had two questions for me. He's 14. He goes, now, Dad, um, you're going to have this remote control, this phone to, to control your pacemaker. Do I get to use that to control you too? <laughs> it's very smart, actually. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not a That's robot. That's a password you do not get. Thank you. <laughs> and he goes, now, I don't want you to die. But if you do die, do I get your phone? Mm. And I thought, wow, that's great, son. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, uh, yeah you can have my phone. <laughs> I guess it's up to you and your mom to figure out who gets that. Um, 
As a dad though, Larry, that's not an easy conversation. No, it, it's, it's been an ongoing conversation yeah. and it starts slow and it builds up and he can feel the energy in the house changing as we get closer and, you know, and lots, lots of hugs around the Gifford house these days and, uh, and, and, and hard conversations and questions and, you know, just nervous energy. Uh, yeah. I mean, but think of what the future is going to be for open and honesty and loving and kind and acceptance and, and, um, being able to be honest and go through emotions. I mean, you've created out of this, uh, like even with me, I like, a an open forum to be emotional about it and have that be okay. Like that's like, that's, it is okay. I mean, we're, we're humans. The emotion, the emotional journey is just as important in our lives as is the physical journey, as is the, the mental journey. You know, I think sometimes we discount the emotional journey. We try to hold our emotions back, but God, isn't that what's great about being a it human? Is. I can tell you this, Larry, I thank you for being here. You're the best. I, uh, I look forward to talking to you on the other side, but I will tell you this and leave you with this, that if this is the impact you've had on my life, if this is Larry just living, I can't wait to find out the impact you have on my life when Larry is feeling alive. And that's exciting. Thank you. I look forward to it. This is The Shift Podcast. Weird. It got very weird. I don't understand. Welcome to the world of weird Weird. things with Greg Fish. Fishy. Joining us from California. How's it going? I am great. Thank you very much. And I appreciate you being here and sharing your world of weird things. Um, uh, Strange things go on in your brain. And I will say that if you can... Go online to our Facebook group. The link of this article will be there. The World of Things Substack is a great way to get linked up with Fishy and his articles. There's more than one per week, by the way. If you want to get on the newsletter, it'll automatically be in your mailbox and subscribe to that one. Here, though, Greg Fish, we're talking about uh, your World of Weird Things article that is titled The Surprising Ways Narcissists Really See the People Around Them. So I figure we should start... That was very lazy. I figure we should start this conversation around what is a narcissist. Now, if you go to Instagram, Greg Fish, you can find an awful lot of people that feel like they're qualified to diagnose a narcissist. People all over social media uh, seem seem like they're qualified to diagnose narcissists according to, uh, <laughs> according to everything that I've read. But mm. here's the thing. Here's the thing narcissism is a spectrum. And a lot of times what we call people who are narcissists depends on our frame of reference. So for example, uh, one very important thing to note is that you don't want to have like have a zero on that narcissism spectrum, because that means you're essentially just a complete doormat. You are just you'll take any criticism very seriously. You'll let people walk all over you. You don't really have any opinions of your own. And then the other extreme are people that we would call pathological or clinical narcissists. So we'll get to that spectrum just a little bit. But let's talk. Let's talk about what actually look. Keep going. Sorry, finish your sentence. Give me yeah. What, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what does it look like to have. To, to basically be in the middle of that narcissism spectrum. 
Yes. What is a narcissist? Well, narcissism is a personality disorder. Just to be clear, narcissism is not, I don't like you, which is how we often look at it, right? Like we, we, as people look at narcissists from the perspective of, of, um, you know, uh, this person's really inconvenient with their thoughts and opinions. They must be a narcissist. I don't agree with them, which is not what we're talking about. We need to be clear. Like it is a legitimate disorder and there are some real structures behind it. And it is very present, as you describe in the article, about how narcissists see us. So I'm going to go through a little bit of a list before we get there to set this baseline, Fishy. Uh, from This is, by the way, from WebMD and, and Psychology Today, about some of the different just highlights. Manipulative behavior, sense of entitlement, need for admiration, lack of empathy, arrogance. Um, just some highlights about sort of the what is a... A, a narcissist and what do they look like? Uh, deserve privilege, uh, recognized as superior without achievements. The list goes on and on and on. So you can kind of see why people say this person is really inconvenient. People with narcissistic personalities or have a hard time handling many things, including other people, emotions, rage, interactions, depression, moody, you name all of it. So this is a wide spectrum as you speak of. And it presents in different ways. And I just want to remind everybody, we are not qualified to diagnose it. But we can talk about how people observe it and how they observe us. Fishy. Please continue. So, yeah. So we are not, as regular people, are not really equipped to diagnose narcissists. So when, we, so when I'm talking about this research, this is by people who are qualified to diagnose narcissists and have actually gotten people and diagnosed them as narcissists in order to actually carry out those studies. So one very important example that that I, I talk about in the article and that I want kind of all of us to, to, to get on a clear baseline here is if you think that you know you're pretty you're a pretty smart person and you have some talents like for example you're really good at ping pong or you're you're a good driver um, or um, and that there's certain things that you're not going to do because your time is worth more than that you're just a person with healthy boundaries uh, because again like you said a lot of times when we say that someone's a narcissist and this is especially kind of like a generational thing um, you will have people say, oh, you know, this generation is just a bunch of narcissists. And really what it comes down to is this generation has boundaries and they just don't do what you tell them automatically. They want a reason. They want uh, they, they want to know why they have to violate those boundaries for you. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who believe that they're very special with literally no evidence to that effect. And... Um, Narcissists are pretty prevalent in politics, and they I know this is a huge surprise for for everybody listening I understand uh, and they're also very prevalent in very high corporate roles where and and I would actually say that you know it takes a little bit of narcissism to be a contributor on the radio because you're kind of going up and saying, "Hey, maybe I have things that are valuable enough to talk about but mm -hmm. again you so you you definitely have that that spectrum of personality so we're talking about the very extreme the people who are hundred percent diagnosed and the question then becomes well do narcissists basically just not care about anybody they don't want to listen to anybody they don't care about anybody's opinions and it turns out that that's actually not true according to studies um narcissists can actually have legitimate admiration for other people now granted there are some conditions first and foremost 
they have to agree with a narcissist worldview. That's kind of a that's kind of a, a pretty steep requirement for it, and and kind of a pivotal one, uh, because they are much more likely to call people stupid uh, or greedy or narcissists or psychopaths if those people disagree with them. It's kind of a it's kind of more of an extreme reaction where a normal person would say okay, well, this person disagreed with me. I'm sure they had their reasons or, well, this person was kind of a jerk to me with narcissists. No, that's, you know, they're, they're, they're moral enemies. They're idiots. They don't know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just very kind of a very extreme reaction. Um, and then on the other hand, if you have people who say kind of what they already agree with and say it in a very authoritative very definitive tone that they actually seem genuinely impressed by them. Even more interesting, some of these studies looked at what's known as intellectual humility. So intellectual humility is if you ask someone a question, they don't know the answer and they say, hey, you know what? I don't I don't actually know the answer to what you want. Or um, they will present their they will present what they know and then they will acknowledge the limits of their knowledge and say, yes, I this is how it works. This is how this happens. Now, there could be other scenarios. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't really worked with those specific edge cases. So those are things that we consider consider intellectual humility. And when it comes to these behaviors, um, just acknowledging your limits, that's something that we tend to praise in normal people, for lack of a better term. We, we want people to kind of be able to acknowledge their limits and that they, they can learn and they can, uh, they can always do better. But as far as narcissists go, when they're confronted with that behavior, they look at it as, well, this person is this person is faking it. They're overdoing it. They're trying to get sympathy. They're trying to get people to follow them. They're they're basically playing that they're weak. Or maybe they are weak because they acknowledge these limitations. But then if people in question exhibit the opposite of that, they're basically like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. So all of you listen up. They're like, yeah, this is, no, this is the way you got to do it. This is right. You got to acknowledge your strengths and lead with your strengths. And when that person says something, they're much more likely to take it seriously. So that's that, that's that, that's that interesting part. If they agree with people, they look at these people in a very favorable light. If these people are also coming off as kind of brash and arrogant, they like that. They respect that. They see that as a strength. So and on top of that, what that implies is that they can have legitimate admiration for people. They don't just have contempt. They don't just have complete carelessness. There's there's more discrimination going on there. Is it safe to say that we often misunderstand or misinterpret confidence for accuracy or in, and intelligence? Because being confident doesn't mean you're smart. And it also doesn't mean you're accurate. Frankly, it doesn't even mean you're telling the truth. So unfortunately, yes, we do. We do that all the time. Um, there have been numerous studies, um, countless studies, I should say, that shown that if you are very confident about a wrong answer, you can get more people to come with you than if you are being very humble about it and you get the right answer. That's a scary notion. That is a very scary notion. Insert I, politics. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But that's but, you know, if you want to say, well, how can people go along with all these politicians that are telling them just things that they want to hear? Well, because they say them very confidently and we're very drawn to confidence. OK, in conversation, we often feel like we want to be right. I would say that often we feel like we don't want to be wrong. 
And so we get into a debate with somebody we want to, you know, go through the conversation and yeah, got to be right, got to be right, got to be right, got to be right. And it, that doesn't solve problems in real life though, Greg, we get into the conversations with our spouses, our partners, our friends, and it is very possible. And the safe place to start a conversation is to assume we are both right, which is not something anybody that's on this spectrum that you're talking about is really, they might be capable, but they're certainly not willing to give. They, they're not willing to give. And what they're going to do is if they're confronted with, oh, you're wrong, they're going to retcon it that, well, no, they were always right. Yeah. So that's oof, kind oof. of, Red yeah. Alert. So, so there's some, so there's some comorbidities that can go along with narcissism, such as pathological lying. Um, and, uh, there's, there's also a form of, na- of narcissism called malignant narcissism. And in, in typical diagnosed narcissism, there's just a lack of empathy for other people's feelings, other people's future, other people's consideration for just other people existing. Because as far as narcissists is concerned, these people are there to either agree with them or serve them, or they are just ignored. But malignant narcissism is where a narcissist feels so powerful that they enjoy abusing those that they see as on the lower social standing than them. So that's mm. another kind of the comorbidity. So that that's the thing. Some of these some of these disorders don't exist on just exist on their own. They have a very high risk of other things coming along with them. The talk about warped because warped is the, the narcissist. Maybe my understanding may have a warped view of things, but more so is willing to warp the view to look better. So their, their, their view themselves might not actually be warped, but they are willing to warp the view at any cost in order to look like they come out on top. Is that fair? That, that is fair. And another thing that they do is they tend to project their own values onto others. So what they consider to be humility, what they consider to be empathy, what they consider to be kindness is projected on others. So behaviors that we would say, Hey, this is, um, you're you're being you know you're being a jerk you're being a narcissist you're being uh you're you're being like really mean they view it as like no this is perfectly normal behavior i don't know what you're squawking about okay now i have a question for the audience here shift heads 8773999898 greg just said that you know they will put their views on others and all those things what greg said which politician comes to mind just random non scientific sample which politician comes to mind in this conversation? 877-399-9898. They're right. Got to be right. Right at all costs. Not willing to listen to anyone else's opinion. Um, warp situations so they look good. What am I missing? You also have to, you also have to consider the following that you have politicians that do that, first of all, all over the spectrum. And second of all, your opinion of what politician does that is also going to depend on what politician you agree with. Okay. So I want to know now, text it in, uh, text me the name. I just, just text me the name. I don't need a story. I don't need reason why. Just text me the name of what politicians come to mind in this conversation. Okay. As you work, Fish. Well, I mean, we, we're already left with politicians, which is just this, this grand pool of narcissism. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of this is this is the thing where, you know, this is this is a point where I could also comment a little bit on, on American politics. And you have like you have a lot of politicians in the United States who are there not to govern. They're there to be influencers. 
and they don't really author bills. They don't really advance anything. They're just there to grandstand. And that is one of those, then that's one of those telltale signs of narcissism. They feel like they're entitled to be in power. They feel like they're entitled to be on these committees and on these leadership roles and on these TV shows and talking to everybody and, and soliciting money, but actually not really doing anything per se. So again, this, this is one of those things where if you have a job or if you have requirements for a job or for political office where you're not actually looking at the results that people deliver, where you're not actually holding them to account, you're going to have this narcissism magnet. And it's going to mm. be the and it's going to be the same thing in corporate life, where if you structure the pay packages for CEOs and executives, that they just get paid by stock performance, and or they get a lot of things up front, or they get a lot of things guaranteed, they're not going to care that much that they whether they deliver or not, because they feel like they've already been entitled to that money because they've signed the contract. Pierre Polyev said that here on the shift specifically, he said being a politician is the craziest job in the world. You get celebrated for spending as much money of other people's money as you can with no accountability of it works or not. And he said it is the craziest notion in the world. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's that's what it is. I mean, that's what politicians do. They're like, the bigger the number, the more popular I'll be. And then they they like 25 million, 1 billion and more. But then by the time it unfolds years later, there's no accountability to it. And so that sounds strangely familiar to what you're talking about, especially when you talk about politicians in general. Well, and, and it's the same thing where you have politicians who say, well, I'm going to cut. Well, I'm going to cut all the spending and I'm going to pay down the debt. OK, Great, but if where are you where are you going to cut the spending? Doesn't matter. We're going to cut the spending. We're going to do a five percent cut across the board. Mm. Is that wise? Is that is that a good idea? So that that's that's another one of those things. The the other problem with um, with a lot of political offices is that they are also when they are judged on something, they're judged on very vague and very big headlines they're not really so so he's right he's definitely right when he talks about that but there's also that caution of when you when you when you do accountability when you try and and, and have and keep narcissists accountable you're going to have a really tough time because again they mm. they warp the way that they want to present things in their favor they're going to project their values on whatever it is you say and you can say hey you did this you you did this you you spent all all these billions of dollars of people's money and they're going to say yeah and i put them to good use unlike somebody else or you cut all the spending but now all of these people are all of these poor people are affected all of these people who relied on these social programs and they're going to say well well these people were just lazy moochers and they finally are going to be motivated to go out and get a job so mm -hmm. This is this is actually another one of those ways that that narcissists project. They're going to defend their egos no matter what. Did you know there actually is a name that is called grandiose narcissism? I did not know that until tonight. Yes, that is um, there. Like I said, there's different kinds of narcissism. And yes, <laughs> uh, grandiose narcissism is uh, exactly what it sounds like. You believe yep. that you're basically destined to rule the world exaggerate their importance aggressive and dominant as defined very self-confident and are not sensitive now uh greg fish is here i'm going to link this article so you can read it you you should read it I, i'm not shooting on you but i am shooting on you because it's worth it because we do sit here and we diagnose people are like oh he's such a narcissist but we're not qualified 
to diagnose what is a narcissist. We are reading uh, definitions as written. Google Scholar is where I go when we get into these conversations, just so you know, so I make sure we get accurate definitions and so much more. So the World of Weird Things, it's a blog basically for you to go. It's a website you can surf and and read all these things. You can actually get it as a newsletter in your mailbox. There's more than one a week, even though we only talk about one per week here on The Shift. Okay, ready for this, Fishy? Here's the the names that came in on text uh, on who do you think of when we talk about politicians and narcissism? Here they go. Justin Trudeau, the Donald, Donald Trump, Trump, all of them, the two Mr. Trudeaus and Trump, our current PM, Justin Trudeau, Alfred E. Newman, (laughs) Um, Justin Trudeau, Donald Trump. That's it. That's everyone. Like not, that's it. That's all that's coming up. I I feel like there's definitely some, there's definitely some bents in the results. Which it, which that's not science, but the, um, but if that's his scale and that's becomes the mean of the scale, that's a problem. Uh, cool. Uh, this is, makes you think a little bit. Um, it's basically social media. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but another, but I think another important takeaway is if you have a generally positive image of yourself. If you don't necessarily think, oh, I'm I'm destined to rule the world and everyone must bow before me and I'm the smartest in every room that I walk in, but you're saying, you know, I'm actually not like a terrible person and there's certain things that I don't think I want to do because I don't, this, this, this is not worth my time. You're not a narcissist. You're just a normal person with boundaries and boundaries are healthy and we shouldn't, and you should enforce those boundaries whenever possible. Yeah. And there are elements that are natural in your self-confidence where you are allowed to believe that you, you know, you are, uh, <laughs> valuable, uh, to do, uh, to do share your things. So don't let that get in the way. You're not, you're probably not a narcissist if you have good ideas. Olivia Chow comes up on the list and so does Kofefe. Probably a good place to leave it right there. Um, <laughs> Greg Fish, thanks for being here, bud. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.